0: the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan And we are recording this on a Wednesday night after the Cubs' Brendan break out the brooms for the first time in 2019, going to Miami and their warehouse of a ballpark and sweeping the Marlins out of the way. They now sit just one game under 500. they They've got the best run differential in the NL Central, and things are looking up. We are going to break down All three of these games, we are going to talk about how good... This starting pitching has been lately, namely the back-to-back of Cole Hamels and Jose Quintana, although obviously just there I said it in the wrong order, but that's okay. We will talk about the offense, a lot of which is really hot. We're still waiting for Brizzo to join the party, but Brendan, I think for now it's easy to look at how hot this offense is and think when Brizzo does join the party Then we're really going to be cooking with gas as far as this whole team is concerned. The bullpen has been very good. This train is rolling, Brendan. So we are going to break all of this down. And I do have to start, though, Brendan, just quickly. And I think you knew I was going to go here. Everybody that follows me on Twitter and listens to this podcast knew I was going to go here. Just really quickly, I have to point out. Breaking news. (laughs) Yeah, I made a meme the other day of if you know that wolverine meme where he's laying in bed looking at a photo in a frame and then it cuts to the picture and he's got his hand on it looking all longingly at the picture i edited that to have john lester in the picture i tagged him and i said this is me every day since last monday since lester has been out and my dear friend john some may say my best friend john lester replied <laughs> today nuts. on twitter Saying that's good with an exclamation point. So, Brendan, it's safe to say that on this day, Wednesday, I, I, I think I made John Lester laugh, and it's it seems reasonable to stretch that into John Lester uh, seems to think I'm funny, and I'm not really sure how to handle that. Uh, it was a wild afternoon here uh, for me trying to get my head around this, but it was uh, a pretty. Pretty cool, a little a little occurrence there. Any anytime Johnny shows up in my Twitter mentions, uh, it's it's been a good day, Brendan.
1: And I think you can go a step further too. I mean, laughter is medicine, right? So I'm doing Lester, my part. You're doing your part, yeah. and that's all we can ask for from you from this podcast,
0: Corey. So from for me to you, I thank you for supporting Lester and
1: and promoting his recovery.
0: You're very welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, uh, again, I'll, I'll move on from that, but. John Lester was uh, all up in my mentions today, and I think those of you that know me— <laughs> I, mean,
1: I, wouldn't go, I wouldn't go that far. It was like
0: one, well, you know, yeah. one word. He, Well, he, he commented and he liked the tweet, so okay, all well, that's around. two-for-one. Okay. Yeah, two-for-one deal. I think you guys knew I was going to start there. Uh, that was pretty sweet, and uh, still hoping that Johnny is uh, on the road to recovery. We haven't heard any further update. Uh, we do know he will not pitch this weekend against the Diamondbacks. We have the full rotation there. Uh, but you know, Cubs still being conservative. We haven't heard anything uh, negative about his recovery and his rehab. So I'm assuming everything is fine, and and they'll get him back out there when he's at full health. Yep. But getting to this Marlin series. Sorry, me and John Lester. You know, being BFFs aside, we'll yeah, yeah, we'll get to yeah, business. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to business here. Uh, the Cubs and Marlins starting this series on Monday the Cubs winning seven to two in the opener U Darvish picking up his first W on the season he goes five and two thirds four hits two earned four walks and eight K's the walk total obviously higher than you would like Uh, But Darvish, uh, the velo was way up there at the end of this game. He gets eight strikeouts and overall, you know, kept the team in the game, gave him a chance to win. And I, you know, I think uh, baby steps there. That's all anybody's really asking for, I guess, at this point. We'll talk about Darvish specifically uh, in a little bit here but the Cubs getting their runs in this one. Wilson Contreras walked in the first, and then David Bodie with a two RBI double to make it three to nothing. The Marlins would cut it to three to two by the bottom of the fourth. In the top of the fifth, a Javi Baez double and a David Bodie fielder's choice would give the Cubs two insurance runs in the seventh. Wilson Contreras stays red hot his sixth home run of the season and in the top of the ninth he stays even hotter an RBI single makes it seven to two and that would be all that she wrote in the opener on Monday relieving you Darvish uh was Kyle Ryan Steve Ccheckek and Tim Collins. They finish the remainder of the game again after you went five and two-thirds, allowing just two hits, one walk, and no runs while striking out five. So a very good showing from some guys in the bullpen there, and a nice win for the Cubs. On Tuesday, the Cubs winning four to nothing in their first of back-to-back shutouts. And again, we mentioned at the outset, Quintana and Hamels were fantastic in their last back-to-back when Q went against the Pirates and Hamels went against the Angels, and they follow that up with another fantastic effort in two straight starts. The Cubs getting their runs in this one on a Daniel Descalso two-out single. The man is clutch, folks. We talked about this before, but he just continues to hit uh, with two outs and with runners in scoring position. We'll talk about him a little bit more, but loving that acquisition so far. Again, that's Theo's playing 4D chess, folks. Everybody wanted him to spend $50 <laughs> yeah. million dollars on Bryce Harper. He spent nothing on Daniel Descalso, and he's getting quite the return He's for better
1: it. than Bryce Harper. Look yeah, at that. So
0: far. And in the fourth, David Bodie uh, grounds out softly, but it does drive in a run. Two to nothing Cubs in the eighth. Javier Baez, you may know him as El Mago, hits his fifth home run of the year, his first in the series. More to come. Stay tuned. And in the ninth, a Ben Zobris sacrifice fly made it 4 to nothing, and that was all she wrote. The final line for Jose Quintana, who was brilliant in this one. Seven innings, six hits, no earned runs, no walks. I repeat, no walks and seven strikeouts. His second W of the year. Brandon Kinsler and Pedro Strop relieve him and get the job done. A little bit of a hold your breath moment on that Jorge uh, Alfaro fly ball from yeah, Brandon Kinsler. Almost died there. I, I, I don't remember what center field at Marlins Park is. Let's say it's 420. This ball went 419 uh, and would have tied the game, but it found a glove, and we don't have to worry about that. And, and we'll forget that that ever happened. Uh, but it was a, a tense, you know, 10 seconds there. But again, 4-0 the final on Tuesday. The Cubs winning the series, and they show up on Wednesday behind Cole Hamels looking for the sweep. And I already spoiled that, saying they shut them out again. So they do just that. The Brooms broken out for the first time in 2019. Cole Hamels improves to 3-0, On the season, seven innings, three hits, no earned runs, no walks. Yet again, I repeat, no walks and eight strikeouts. He lowers his season ERA to 2.77. And Brendan, how are we feeling about picking up that offseason option now? Uh, I think we'd all do it over and over and over again. So that has been really great that Cole Hamels is looking like the version of him that the Cubs got in the second half last year, and not the one uh, from the Rangers in the first half. So that is definitely a development we will be talking about going forward here on this episode. The Cubs runs Daniel Descalso, guess who, Uh, with another two-out RBI single that made it one to nothing in the top of the second. In the third, a Javi Baez single, a Jason Hayward single, and guess who, a Daniel Descalso double made it five to nothing, and then in the top of the eighth, Javier Baez hits his sixth home run of the year, another oppo shot for Javi, which is a very fun development to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. And that, Brendan, was his 501st hit of his career. His 500th was that RBI single in the third. So congratulations to Javi on a nice little milestone. 500 hits is uh, definitely cool. So congrats to Javi on that and that is all she wrote, Brendan. That is a uh, three-game sweep and a, a pretty clean one at that. Um, you know, obviously that that game on Monday or uh, excuse me, the game with Q is is, is dicey in that moment with uh, Brandon Kinsler and that deep fly ball. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you know, the the, the Cubs were outplaying the Marlins in this series. They were ahead for pretty much the entire series. I don't think they ever trailed, actually, in this series as I'm looking at these box scores. No, they did not. So that's nice. Uh, They never trail. And, you know, this is exactly what you want from this team. I know that you know, when, when the Cubs sweep a team like the Marlins, especially for me, when I'm posting all these things on social media, you'll get the people that jump in there and they're like, what are you so you know happy about or proud about? They, you know, it's the Marlins. And my response is always you play who's on the schedule. The Cubs job was to go in and play a bad Marlins team and TCB, Brendan and TCB. They did take care of business, doesn't matter who you're playing you show up and play who's on the schedule and this like I said at the beginning this train is running fast right now and it's and very much in the right direction
1: yeah absolutely and I think the the most encouraging aspect from that series is the starting pitching and you tweeted this out from the Cubs Insider account but I do want to read it out because it's just so jolting and combining Jose Quintana and Cole Hamill's last two starts together So four total starts, 29 innings pitched, only one earned run, 32 strikeouts, one walk. I repeat, one walk in 29 innings in Q's and Hamill's last four starts. Mm. That is medicine. I think, as we all know, the walk is killing us this year. And to see any type of relief from those walks, and having that come from Q especially eases right. at least a lot of my anxiety. I think with Hamels, I, we kind of expect that. I know he's aging, but with Q, you know, he's been hit or miss recently. He hasn't been that well above league average pitcher. He's been good in the league average, but not that like next step level guy. In the early going, Corey, he's doing nothing but striking guys out. So yeah, we can talk about the offense, which has been encouraging. But when it comes down to what's the most encouraging, I think, is watching Q, watching Hamels do their thing.
0: Yeah, well, and just to that point, six walks in this entire three-game set I mean, from the Cubs fantastic. pitching staff, yeah. and four of them came from Yu Darvish. So outside of Yu Darvish, this team was not walking people. And, you know, again, like, it's the Marlins, yes, it's it's okay to acknowledge that. but this is what we asked of this team. Make the other team hit the ball. And especially when you're playing a lineup like the Marlins, make them hit the ball. Joe we read that Joe Madden quote uh, the other day about how he'd rather you get bludgeoned to death than just keep giving these free passes after that game with the Angels uh, this past Saturday. And this is exactly the mentality that that team seems to have taken into this game. You're not facing a good lineup. If they if they hit you, they hit you. But don't you dare let them get away with it for free. And the Cubs did just that. And yeah. for sure, the the biggest thing that stands out to me in, in this series is how good Q and Hamels have looked. It, it's a it, for sure Q in particular a, a real game changer if he can look more like that guy we saw with the White Sox and and more and like, of that yeah, like top-of-the-rotation yeah. pitcher. Cole Hamels was really good for this team in the second half last year. I know it was hard to expect him to be exactly that good again, and we'll see how the this season progresses. But I'm, I guess I'm not as surprised, if that's maybe the word, that Hamels is doing that. I am more so with Quintana, that he has been yeah, this dominant in— Two straight starts. Maybe surprise isn't the right word, but Q looking like this is a huge thing for this team. And I mean those Q's number nine
1: is 13 Corey. Yeah, He's striking I mean, out 13 it, it, guys per game. That's wild. The
0: K's, the whiffs, they're all great. It 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 looks really good. And his confidence looks really good out there. He he I know in the past we talked about wow. Q being a guy that maybe nibbles too much, you know, is is staying away from contact or staying out of the strike zone. And in these last couple starts, he looks like he has a game plan and he's executing it. He's changing those eye levels, throwing that elevated fastball, which allows him to throw his uh, big hooking curveball lower in the zone and get those swings and misses. He's been effective with that changeup, finding ways to get guys to swing and miss, keep it near the strike zone, which just sets up the fastball, sets up the curveball. He just yeah. looks so confident. And and within the game plan that they are trying to execute, huge development for how this rotation has uh, looked in these last few starts. And I and I want to read this stat from Christopher Kamka. We mention him all the time. He works with NBC Chicago, uh, but is also a, a great follow on his own one of the best really uh at c Kamka, k-a-m-k-a i do want to mention that because we we quote him all the time and the cubs starting pitching in their last six games a 1.13 era in 39.2 innings pitched just six walks 42 strikeouts two homers allowed and a 0.832 whip brendan giddy i know up. I know. And the, the cool thing about Q is right
1: now his whiff rate is 31%. Okay. Last year was 19%. That is a huge increase. You don't even see whiff rates like that for relievers, like fast throwing relievers. So whatever he's doing, and I know there's been a lot of talk about his changeup, and we've talked about it too, but it's not as if he's throwing the changeup like, at an absurd frequency. He's throwing it the same amount as he, as he has in previous seasons. So I don't really know what the difference is. I I think it's the command we see, obviously. It could probably be sequencing. But for whatever reason, this year, Q is missing bats at a rapid pace, a pace that I think none of us even predicted. I mean, Corey, he has a 23% whiff rate against pitches inside the zone. Last year, it was 10%. I mean that's 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 insane. So if Q can continue to do this and I've been talking about Q for what uh, almost 2 years now in just hoping that he can return to that level that we saw with the White Sox. This is a great development. And again, like you said, you know, if you get Q going, you expect the same from Hamels, you get Lester back, Hendricks will be fine. I have no concerns about Hendricks. This rotation kind of mirrors your expectations. From 2018, really. I think we went into the year last year. Theo is getting asked about it. Hey, Theo, do you think this rotation will be better than 2016? Those were legitimate questions. And there's a reason why. These guys have phenomenal track records, all-star track records, you know, top five Cy Young voting track records. To get Q back to that level, I
0: cannot emphasize. How big of a deal that really is? So I, since we're talking about the rotation, I do want to get your thoughts on you Darvish's outing on Monday. Just uh, you know obviously it's it's going to pale in comparison when, when you have two guys throwing uh, outings of, you know not giving up runs in seven innings and Hamels and Quintana. Uh, but again, Darvish going five and two-thirds, four hits, two earned, four walks, and eight strikeouts. He throws 96 pitches. Yep. I-, I thought they could have let him finish that inning. It was only uh, obviously yeah. one yep. out. Uh, he was throwing extremely hard at the end of that inning, which Evan Altman from CubsInsider.com pointed out to us, you know, he he agreed with the decision to pull him as he thought that Darvish hitting close to 100 miles an hour a couple times with his and fastball was, he was, was indicative. out too, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that he was, you know, maybe reaching back and trying to throw literally as hard as he could, which he said he was doing, which, you know, is not great for your mechanics. And a guy that's, you know, dealt with a lot of injuries, maybe don't want him doing that for too long. Uh, but, I, you know, I did think he could have finished the inning. But just your general thoughts on, on Darvish in, in this one. I, I
1: liked what Darvish was throwing out there. I think seeing that the velocity uptick was encouraging. I still need to see more from his commands, uh, walking four guys, hitting a batter, not necessarily what you want to see. And from that regards, I think, you know, he was getting his command back in the previous two starts after that opening day disaster for him. And look, with Darvish he's still going to be a work in progress he he only pitched about what seven times with the Cubs last year a new coaching staff he's still progressing from his injury from last year so it's still it's still a work in progress for for Darvish but if you're looking purely on stuff I mean what more do you want than 99 miles per hour in 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 the late innings there from him and seeing that that slider, that cover showing a curve every now and then, even a changeup every now and then too, which is interesting. A theme of the year, of course, the changeup. But yeah, I I think that was fun to watch. Ultimately, it comes down to stuff for Darvish. And we saw it a lot with with Arietta during his prime, where even if you don't have that command, if you're throwing 90 mile per hour sliders, and even if it's going outside the zone, That's hard to pick up on. Not many hitters face that stuff on a daily basis. So with Darvish, I'm less concerned about the command, even though of course you want to see it, than I am with someone like Hendricks, who relies on that command. And for him to be throwing up sinkers 85 up in the plate, not good. But for Darvish, if you're throwing 99 up in the zone, or if you're missing on a few sliders or cutters down and away a little bit too often, you have more room for error on that point. So, you know, you take the good with the bad. The bad is the command was not as you want to see, but the good is, you know, he complimented that or rather, you know, I guess Go online or call 1 800 Xfinity to learn more. Restrictions apply. For Darvish, ultimately, what you really want to see
0: on, on a consistent basis from him. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I, I mean, obviously, it was nothing special. Uh, the walks were too much. But well, I want to say that, actually.
1: I mean, he, Corey, he's throwing 99. That's like, that's that, we've never seen that from Darvish ever.
0: Well, you that know. was late in the game, though, and we Still, did see that. that's, that's, of, that's even I, more I, of an I, encouraging I, sign, though. Yeah, I do wonder and hopefully it's just because he's trying to find the command a little more, but this trend of his where he starts around ninety four, ninety five, and then is, you know, closer to 93 ish yeah. by those middle innings. It's it's been a thing in pretty much every start yeah. this year.
1: That is kind of disconcerting for
0: a- me. Unless unless it's to dial in command. You don't want a guy having to take anything off his fastball to get command. But that's better than him being fatigued or something like that in only a couple of innings. Which so I assume it's just to, dot, you know, hone in, get a finer touch on, on the field because the fastball has given him problems in a few of these games. Uh, but I, you know, I appreciate that he's able to dial back there and throw ninety nine. But <laughs> I, I don't think he's going to be able to do that with any regularity. So I'm not exactly buying into that or anything no and like
1: I, I i agree with you there i'm not saying you know you darvish throwing 99 and that's a good sign the only reason why i think that's surprising was because it came in his 90 you know yeah. 90 pitch count range and we never saw that before so if you yeah. were concerned he's about he's got a his, lot in the tank apparently he's got a lot in the tank yeah. but, but i mean when it comes down to it he's healthy that's a sign that he's healthy so any type of concern you had about his inability to get outs early on is not due to a lack of health, so I think that's that, that's at least something to be positive about. But just yeah, just to go back on that one point with Darvish, I too don't like how he's starting off at ninety four. You get to the third or fourth inning, he's down to ninety two. I, I I don't like that, and the fact that he said um after the game when he threw ninety nine, I was talking about that. He said verbatim, like I was not thinking about throwing strikes. I was thinking about throwing the ball as hard as I can. And so that suggests that he's thinking about strikes when he's not trying to throw as hard as he can, which means he's dialing it back. Right. I'm no pitching coach. I don't know the intricacies of pitching mechanics like that. But that does seem a little weird to you me. Prefer I Prefer that not be the case. Yeah, yeah. So in that sense, I don't know how I feel about that. But <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna come away with Darvish to start as a positive just because the stuff looked good. Throwing a 99 is a sign that he's healthy, and if that's the case going forward, you just assume everything works itself out, right? I mean, he's been a guy. Yeah, and I
0: mean, I think you know. Look, he he missed a large portion of that last year. And, you know, obviously was dealing with the blister thing at the end of spring training that, you know, not isn't a big deal, but it does, you know, at least for a moment kind of slow things down in terms of your progression and, you know, building things up, you know, because you got to be careful that you're not changing your mechanics because of the band aid or anything like that. So I think, you know, yeah, let's let's just keep taking it step by step my 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 point is he didn't he missed a lot of last year like there's still going to be a little bit of kind of working back up to things uh to a degree And, and and maybe just working up to like full steam where he's at his best and i don't think we've seen that yet so the velo is there the health looks like it's there he all season has been getting really nasty movement on some of these pitches especially his breaking pitches breaking pitches obviously and I think that as we go along here, I, I am hoping to see him kind of round everything into shape. And I, you know, again, I, I'm not like holding my breath for him to win a Cy Young or anything like that, but baby steps. He Again, he kept the team in the game. I thought he could have finished uh, and gone the full six innings there and, and gotten himself a quality start in that one. So I think we're on the right track. We'll Keep an eye on it. Uh, and, you know, hopefully he's able to, as we progress here, gain that confidence with his fastball so that he can throw it for strikes with, with, you know, a more fine touch. And he's not having to kind of calculate his velo, uh, in, you know, comparison with that. So I thought it was fine is, is my ultimate takeaway, but I do, I do want to move on to the offense and the first person there, there's a couple people that I think we could start this with but i'm going to i'm going to stick with willie here uh and i know we've talked about him before and mm-hmm. he's been kind of the who's hot player of these post series episodes already but i still think brendan that his being this player is so important to this team yeah. and may yeah. ultimately as this season goes along represent kind of that difference between this offense being really good And being near the top of the league, like elite level production from this group. And I think a a, a key to that is for sure Wilson Contreras. And his updated numbers through the game tonight a 319 average, 458 on base percentage, 766 slugging, 496 Woba, 205 WRC plus. Again, 100 is league average for WRC plus. So he's at 200 for that. A 15.3% walk rate, six home runs. He's driven in 12 already. He looks great. And we were kind of, we we posted a little bit about this on on uh, cubsinsider.com in the, in one of the rundowns in, in the last couple days. But you can kind of see a little bit of what is different in his swing. And Joe Madden was talking about this, I think after Monday's game, when he hit the home run. And he said that there was something that he was doing in spring training that was different from last year that has carried over uh, into this season. And he, for whatever reason, I'm not really even sure why, declined to say what it was. I don't know why he wouldn't just say. It's not like it makes a difference that people know what the difference is. Uh, But I believe I figured it out, Brendan, in looking at some side-by-side video. Yes, he did. Yep. He is noticeably more crouched in his stance, which is something that we've seen, uh, you know, from some other of these guys, Kyle Schwarber, namely. Uh, but his hand position is, is different. In, in last year's swings, his hands, you know, kind of a little more in front of him, kind of looked like Schwarber uh, at, at times a little bit, a little more in front of him, kind of, you know, maybe by like his jaw. And now he's got his hands higher to the point where they're basically at his ear, in, you know, in his batting helmet, the bat is a lot flatter because of it, because his hands are a little higher, the bat hanging flat across his shoulder, and raising his leg as part of his leg lift just a, a touch less, uh, mm-hmm. not coming up as high, not coming really completely to the belt level with his leg. And again, we posted this and we may post about it more as we go forward. So I know a podcast isn't exactly the the best place for a, a visual description of somebody's swing. But it's just to point out that these changes don't, or excuse me, these results from Wilson don't seem to be an accident. Obviously, he was the one I think when we looked at What effect did Chili Davis have in his philosophy? Wilson was pretty much the person we looked at and said he seemed to have gotten it the worst. He seemed to have eaten the chili and gotten more (laughs) food poisoning than anybody else, right? Uh, So. I, I I say that. Plus, you look at these changes in mechanics, and it doesn't seem to me, Brendan, and I think to others, you know, who have kind of observed this. I know Brett from Bleacher Nation also kind of read that quote from Madden and was like, "Okay, well, let me go see what he's talking about." If he's not going to tell us, it, it's it seems no accident that he is ripping the cover off of the ball that he has already, I believe, uh, I'm looking at his, yeah, I'm looking at his fan graphs page right now. And I don't think this is updated through tonight's game, Wednesday night's game. uh, But even just before it, he had equaled his war total from last year, the entirety of last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's at 09 not including Wednesday, believe he's going to be at uh, at least one full win above replacement uh, after Wednesday's game. That is more than his entire value in 2018. And again, my point is that doesn't seem to be a coincidence or an accident. I will. I, I think this is the hitter that Wilson Contreras is and is going to be not a 205 WRC plus, but someone who is confident up there Putting really good swings on the ball, getting the barrel to the ball, and not that, you know, weak grounder flyout thing we saw yep, from him so yep. regularly in the 2018 season. Willie is back, and, and I, I think this is the player we're going to see going forward. Here's the cool part about this, too, and it's a good tie in to
1: our discussion about exit velo. Willie's exit velo is basically league average right now. Okay, You would think that's bad, but then if you look at his expected weighted on base average or even just like his expected slugging percentage, guess what? It's the best in the league, Corey. Literally the best in the league. So exit is not everything, and I say that just to tie in with our discussion with, with Hayward. But with Wilson, what's going on here is he's lifting the ball more. I mean, we're seeing it. Like you just mentioned... The visual of Wilson flailing at pitches, grounding out, weak grounders last year with Shilly Davis, he's not doing that this year. And to see him actually go out there and just play pepper with the outfield wall, with consistency, left field, center field, right field, that is the person who, you know, before 2018, a lot of us claimed could be an MVP candidate. And we were not saying that. In an exaggerating sense, we truly believe that. And yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think the changes you, you mentioned are visible. You know, it's on cupsinsider.com. So if you want to go see those visuals, like Corey said, it's hard to actually describe them on a podcast and we're going to write more about it, but just that's, that's amazing. Just that's probably the best sign of the season so far because for the majority of, I would say, what, the first 50 or 60 games last year, Willie was slotted in as your cleanup guy. And Madden full-on expected him in 2018 to be that same guy from 2017 when he was on pace for 30 homers. That's what Wilson is. He's a guy who has enormous power, a great athlete, Again, and just looking at his sprint speed, he's faster than 75% of Major League Baseball players. He's a catcher, guys. I, I think in my recent memories, the most athletic catcher I've possibly seen. And if this is the guy we're getting going forward, slot him right in there in that fourth, fifth, or sixth spot, get KB right, get Rizzo right. This is who Javi is. So, I mean, that's, that's remarkable as well. And I have Zoe and Escaso continuing to do what they're doing. I mean, come on, what other lineup can rival this team? This is one of the better offenses in not just the National League, but the league in general, if indeed Wilson continues to do this, and if KB and Rizzo, which they will, get back on track. So if you're looking for any one positive thing, you can look at Quintana, or you can look at Wilson Contreras. Pick one or the other. For me, I'm pumped about Contreras. I I think him getting back on that path where he's a 30-homer guy in the middle of the order, kind of solidifies that lineup and um, just enjoying watching the guy play, Corey.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to transition to another offensive player that we want to talk about, and that is Javi Baez, like you just mentioned. And this is, a, I think, a good illustration from Tony Andraki from NBC Chicago. And he tweeted, Javi woke up on Saturday morning with a slash line of 232, 271, 464, good for a 735 OPS. After tonight, that line would be 324, 351, 635, a 986 OPS. And I, I, I read that A to just illustrate, you know, that Javi has been on a, a good stretch here. And now overall, the numbers are reflecting that for his season, but also, you know, how quickly these things can change. So, you know, we've talked about, you know, I think in that last episode, we were talking about how the two through four of him and Brizzo were, you know, kind of struggling while the rest of the offense, for whatever reason, was red hot. And I think that, you know, a number like that is illustrative that. KB and Rizzo will turn it around and it won't take very long before their numbers, you know, we don't think twice about them and we forget that this was ever happening. That's what happened with Rizzo last year. He get an abysmal start to the season. It's the same exact
1: thing. Yeah. By the middle
0: of the season, you wouldn't, you would never know it from, from his numbers that he had such awful numbers. Uh, and you know, this was a weird series. I thought KB looked better than Tony in this series. Uh, you know, KB with another one the other night that, the Marlins outfielder runs down. And, you know, again, this place in Miami is a warehouse. Uh, It's ridiculous how big that stadium is and how big it plays. But I thought KB struck some balls really well in this series. Uh, he had a nice hit tonight, uh, made some really good plays in the field. It was a weird day for him in the field. He made a bunch of really difficult plays and then didn't turn that one soft double he just play. Got, you know, he lost the grip on the ball. You hands. know, I know. It's just always interesting when the guys make all of the the tough plays and the plays are like, whoa, like nice play, KB. And then the easy one is the one that uh, gives him trouble. But that's <laughs> yeah. baseball for you. But I thought KB put some, some really good swings on the ball this year series. I thought he looked more like himself in this series, uh, not, you know, in as many at-bats getting, like, easily disposed of by, by these pitchers. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, they, they've they got work to do. But I, again, I I, I do want to go to Baez because, uh, Brendan, you know, he just continues to look like the player that we saw last year. And I know that there was a lot of question you know, would he regress some? Could he put up another year like he did in 2018? And I, I think the answer is yes, man. And he just has a way. Like he does, he's not called El Mago for nothing. Like it, it's one of those things where, as an outsider, you may think that that's just like a, a nickname that's given to him, and but it, it really sums up the way that he plays baseball. More perfectly, I think, than anybody else's nickname, and you just see it time and time again. Not only is he ripping home runs and going oppo, and I and I I I want I'm going to ask you about that. I think in particular, just his ability now to spray the ball all over the field. I mean, he's hitting home runs all over the place, but he's he's going to second on these bloopers to center. We see him again tonight. You know, stretching things and getting an extra base in this one. And, and that's the type of stuff that we've always kind of seen from him. But for him to be hitting at the level that he's hitting at, playing the defense that he plays, and continuing to force the issue on these plays and get the Cubs extra bases, extra runs, and just have those instincts... I, this is the guy that he is and and i and i do think that he's just going to continue putting up seasons like he did in 2018 and it's it's really fun to watch you know like i said earlier he gets that 500th hit he's hitting milestones now and we've talked time and time again about the story of javi Baez, you know and his roots in puerto rico his his family history and losing his sister at a very young age and watching this guy succeed and and having become this player gives me and I think all of us more joy than almost anything in baseball. And and it's got to be up there as in, in our whole Cubs life, Brendan. I mean, would you disagree? But just like watching Javi Baez succeed makes me so happy, man. This is kind of what you
1: hoped would transpire when Theo went on the podium and said the offense broke we're going to find ways to fix that and so far at least from the offensive point of view they're finding the the right ways whatever they're doing with Wilson is working they're allowing Javi to continue to just be himself and if that's one of the the themes that we're going to see and we actually talked about that opening up the season even in February where I think the Cubs are trying to get back to their roots to some degree. And you're seeing that with Schwarber's batting stance being more or less what he looked like in Indiana – you see now, Mora look like the same guy he was when he was drafted. Those are two bad examples because they're both slumping right now. But even, you know, you look around and guys like KB, KB looks basically the same guy as he did when he was drafted. After when he was called up in 2015, he, he lengthened his stance essentially. So now he's back down, has been for the past few years, but you get the point I'm saying where the Cubs are allowing these guys to be themselves and they're not trying this cookie cutter approach that really was Chili Davis's motto to a degree, and it's working so far. And even in this last game against the Marlins, Corey, and the game before that too, they're taking advantage of guys when they're in scoring position or when the Marlins give them bases or when the Cubs aggressively take bases, which is what Javi did on that bloop single, like you said. And we didn't see them do that that much last year. Um, uh, an example would be the sack fly in the second game, late in the game to go 4 nothing. Mm-hmm. We never really saw that. It happened, but those are situational or opportunistic hitting approaches that Jordan bashed in and Joe Madden talked about in spring training. Same thing today, right? Javi gets to second base. He eventually gets in. And if you look back, when they scored that second and third run in that last game, all came with two outs, came going to the opposite portion of the field. Hayward did it, Descalso did it multiple times. Everything's coming together, Corey, for for the offense for the short term. And they're going to go through lows. I mean, KB and and Rizzo are going through their low right now. And there will be a time when Rizzo, when, when Javi and Wilson do the same thing. But the total picture of what we're seeing, look, we're at a point where the sample size is somewhat stable, believe it or not. For Wilson, for Javi, the sample size is somewhat stable. This is kind of what you can expect unless something drastically changes or the pitchers drastically change their their approach to these guys. This is kind of what you're going to expect and it's not too small the sample size right now to to believe that and it's matching up with what your eyes are seeing as as well. Corey, this offense, man, I can like this is gonna give me
0: a, a jolt every day I wake up. If this offense continues to do this, we're in for a treat. I I think you're dead on. You know they're they're doing a better job, it seems, of not leaving those extra runs on the table. You know, going for the kill when they've got the lead. You know, leaving a little room for for any comeback from these teams. And the the situational hitting has has been better. And and it just looks like this team. Is in a better place offensively. And all of this is happening with KB and Rizzo, you know, not really participating very much. That's the, that's the crazy much. part. That's the like crazy you said, part. I mean, you you would expect as they heat up, you know, maybe some other guys cool down. But overall, I think for this team to be doing so well while KB and, and Rizzo are so cold is only could only be a good thing I don't know how that could be a bad thing unless you're of the mindset that they're going to stay cold which I am not and Brendan is not and you shouldn't be so yeah, yeah. big things from this offense and I and I do just want to jump to Discalso uh real quick before we get into yeah man please do this, this next it. series uh but man does he look good and and is it's just giving you exactly what you would have hoped for it's like kind of one of those things where when they sign a guy like that and they're running through that like media spiel about him and you're thinking oh this kind of sounds like coach speak you know he had one good year in arizona but i'm not really sure like about the track record and, you know, they're saying, like, he's a professional, he's going to grind out at bats, he's a great two-out hitter, and you're like, okay, like, well, let's see it. Well, we've seen it, folks. Uh He is four for seven on the year with two outs and runners in scoring position. That has been a huge problem for these Cubs uh in the last few years. And Daniel Descalso has been exactly as advertised in that regard in forty nine total plate appearances. He's got a three sixty four batting average, a four twenty nine OBP, five twenty three slugging percentage, good for a four oh nine WOBA and a one fifty WRC plus. That is brilliant stuff, Brendan. And again, yeah, this was a very cheap addition for this team. And I'm, you know, not patting them on the back for not spending money. But this appears to be a guy that they identified as someone they they thought could add a lot of value to this team, give them a little bit of flexibility as far as the lineup goes. You know, we've seen him hitting leadoff. We've seen him hitting further down in the order, depending on uh, whether, you know, Zobrist or Almora perhaps is in that leadoff spot. He has looked really good for this team. I want to read off some
1: walk rates because I think that that adds to the value for Descasso. And you include Descasso in this list, but the Cubs right now have seven guys in their lineup with walk rates over 10%, Corey. That is wild. And so of those 10 guys, or I'm sorry, of those seven guys, Hayward has a 17% rate, Zobrist a 17% rate, Rizzo, a 16% rate, which is one reason why you should not be worried. Wilson Contreras, a 15% rate. Descalso, an 11% rate. And then KB and Bodie both at 10%. But I mentioned the walk rate too because that's part of the grinding out approach. And I think I've mentioned this several times just to you and Evan in our chat, but it's such a pleasure watching Descalso go up there grind out in a bat see his pitches take what's coming and not do too much with it it reminds me so much of what Zobris does and those types of guys they age well but you can just kind of rely on them and even when they're making outs you know it's going to be a five or six pitch at bat and Descasso last year had a walk rate in the double digits so again you know if he's in a lineup Three out of four games, 500 player appearances, 400 plate appearances, whatever that comes out to be, you're going to get a quality at bat every single time. And seeing these walk rates, seeing Del being thrown into that mix, it reminds me a lot of what we saw in 2016 when guys would go up there, they would grind out at bats. You may not necessarily see the results in the first two times through the order, but because you know that rotation is being exhausted, those opposing teams are getting to the bullpen earlier than they want, eventually the Cubs scored runs. And to see that happening so far, and that's manifested through this walk rate, is encouraging. And I said this in the last podcast, I'm going to keep saying it because I'm so, so surprised, but I did not expect myself liking Descaso this much. Admittedly, I wanted to see some younger guys get some chances like Bodie, uh, Amora, and Hap. But I'm pleasantly surprised, and I've, I've I would love to see at one point in the year. I'm not saying this is the right thing to do, but it would just be fun to see like Zobris and Descaso bet one and two, leadoff back to back. Like, imagine an opposing pitcher having to start the game off going against basically twins, like Descaso and Zobris to some degree are twins in their approach. Um, so yeah, man. Like for three million dollars, if this is a value you're going to get, you're going to get a two to three win player for pennies. That's, that's remarkable. And to throw them into that mix, like I said, where you can slot in Bodie, you can slot in KB, Del Scalso, basically wherever you want, whether it's shortstop, second, third, even first base, outfield. Like that's, that is a huge advantage, Corey.
0: Yeah, and I and I think that he has been such a welcome addition, in particular, you know, because obviously the Cubs make the decision to send Ian Happ down. Albert Almora has struggled mightily at the plate. I don't feel the need to focus on that again. It hasn't gotten any better, uh, though. He did make uh, some fantastic defensive plays in this series, <laughs> That's uh, why which he can't is indicative send them down. of you know sort of the 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 tough situation with Almora that you see the yeah. value he brings on defense an incredible catch uh on the first batter of the game uh in the Darvish start uh and then another maybe in Tuesday's game coming in on a line drive that was a fantastic catch one of kind of like the quintessential you know, Almora defensive play. But the point I was making about Descalso was, you know, Almora has struggled mightily at the plate uh, going back to the all-star break of last season, has not gotten any better this season. You look at Bodie, who has uh, been better, but, you know, is still making adjustments himself, still settling into, you know, playing at the MLB level with regularity. And I think that Descalso has been so important because he's given you stability. There, It allows you to yeah, you know, approach the Almora situation and focus on Almora's development. And and the same with yep. Bodie and the same with Hap because you have this presence from Descalso where it's like, you know what, we'll get these guys in there. We're going to find them good matchups and we're going to help them try to adjust and get better. But we don't have to rely on them right now to be playing at a certain level because Descalso is is taking that role. So yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the early return on this move has been very, very good for the Cubs. And again, this is, uh, you know, they just played the Angels. They're playing the Marlins here. They're not good teams, but Like I said, folks, they play who's on the schedule. And we will have plenty of games, you know, when they when they meet up with the Brewers, when they meet up with the Cardinals, when they meet up with the Dodgers. We'll be able to, you know, kind of have those litmus tests. How do they stand against the better competition games? But the majority of the teams they play, like, I don't know if this is like a news flash, but a lot of the teams that they play aren't any good. There's a lot of bad teams in this league. And the key to winning out in a 162 game season, especially coming off a year where you lose the division by a tie break, is to rack up these wins against bad teams. So yeah, it's the Marlins, but so what? That's the whole point. You go in there and you beat them around. That's what the Cubs did and that's a good thing so uh they you know head back home and and have a chance to do it again so i'm going to throw it to you for the preview, Brendan, and, and I do wanna to note too, like the Cubs have not played a lot of home games. So I think the fact that their record is trending in the right direction, the pitching, the offense, everything trending in the right direction. And we're gonna get, you know, more home cooking as we go forward here during the season. So I'm I'm feeling good about where the where this team is right now, Brendan. If we're if we're gonna indulge that like little sense of panic you know, after that Texas series and that Atlanta series, you can bet that we are also going to indulge that you know sense of relief and that sense of okay, everybody on board the train because we're you know driving forward at a record pace here, and I'm I'm here for it. You you look, you got to enjoy the
1: lows or enjoy the lows. You got to enjoy the highs. <laughs> you do, yeah, when you really experience those lows, it's part it's part of being uh, being a fan here. Okay, so let's preview the series against the Arizona Diamondbacks, who will be making their flight to Chicago. And by the way, you can get tickets to this upcoming series through SeatGeek. You guys know this show is sponsored by SeatGeek, and that the ticket industry hasn't really changed in a long time. Well, SeatGeek is a ticket company where the customer comes first, with more than 50,000 Five-star reviews in the App Store, SeatGeek is focused on making your experience as easy as possible. SeatGeek pulls in millions of tickets from all over the web. It rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10 and displays them on an extremely easy-to-use interactive seat map. So it's pretty simple to find what you're looking for. For example, green dots are good deals. Red dots are overpriced. I've been using SeatGeek for several years. Even before I started using or recording on this podcast, I was using SeatGeek. It's so easy. It's always on my phone, and it's been by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets for years. Best of all, our listeners, you guys, get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app on your phone or go to its desktop version and use promo code Cubs Related for $10 off your first purchase. You can use that for concert tickets, sports tickets, comedy, whatever you want. Just use promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. Okay, so in previewing the series, unfortunately, I mean, as far as I know right now, on a Wednesday evening, the Diamondbacks have not announced their starting rotation. So what we do have is the Cubs rotation, but I can say there might be kind of a, a mixture of someone like Luke Weaver, or Zach Godley, uh, you know, even Granky possibly. It depends. They're still trying to figure out what they're going to do here. But needless to say, let's still try to give you some type of preview. So on Friday, the Cubs will start at their typical afternoon start time of 1.20 p.m. Kyle Hendricks will take the mound, and Hendricks has, I mean, quite frankly, not looked like his normal self. I still have a lot of confidence in him, and it's just a matter of him getting that location down. But he is 0 and 3 with a 5.4 ERA on the year. As we mentioned, he left a lot of 85 to 86 sinkers over the middle of the plate, so look for him not to do that this start. Simply as that. And then after that Friday game, you'll have you Darvish take the mound on Saturday. Same start time, 1:20 p.m. Darvish is 1 and 2 with a 6.11 ERA on the year looking at that velo. Most importantly, looking at that that length of maybe going past 100 pitches for the first time. And then on Sunday, Jose Quintana will take the mound to finish off this series. And Quintana is 2-1 with a 3.43 ERA. We mentioned the strikeouts. He's a K per K-9 of near 13 amongst the best in the league. His whiff rate of 31% is amongst the best in the league. And that's where we are right now. So the Cubs are 8 and 9. Currently, they stand 3 games back of Milwaukee who lost today again on a Wednesday. And the Cardinals right now are 10 and 8, so the Cubs are 2 games back of the Cardinals. And the Diamondbacks are 9 and 9. And to to be honest, they, they don't have much cooking they're projected to finish well below 500 this year. And as we all know, Goldschmidt is on the Cardinals. So the Diamondbacks are not that typical offensive force that we've been used to seeing with A.J. Pollock, David Peralta, and Paul Goldschmidt in the middle of the order. So kind of what I'm looking for is seeing Hendricks get back on track, owning it on that command, seeing Darvish maybe go six, seven innings past 100 pitches for the first time, seeing Quintana continue to get those whiffs. But Most importantly for me is that bullpen continuing, hopefully, to trend in the right direction. Seeing Brandon Kinsler continue to not walk any guys, which has been encouraging to see. Get Brad Brock back on track where he's not walking three guys per inning. And get to a point where you get Morrow back in September and you feel a little bit more at ease with the way the bullpen looks. But those are my trends that i'm looking for this series against against
0: diamondbacks corey anything that you're looking at that i'm not looking at i don't think so i mean i i think that you know the the things that we want to see improve uh, you know are obviously hendrix darvish and Brizzo so I think you know until we see those guys uh, kind of you know going in the other direction that'll be the thing to watch for because we're all kind of uh, waiting for it I I think with with Brizzo and and Hendricks probably more than anything no offense to Darvish but I'm way more confident that uh, Brizzo especially returned to form uh, you know, still kind of, I, I wouldn't, uh, gamble on whatever I think you, Darvish, is going to do at this point. It's kind of a take it as we come type situation. But I, I think, you know, those four guys were kind of hoping to see them, uh, turn things around a little bit for at least how it's gone in the early going here. And honestly, man, like, I, of, of the things I'm looking forward to most in this series, it's Jose Quintana. Like, I just want to <laughs> see if he can keep doing this. Um, yeah. he's just been so good in these last two starts uh, that I'm just looking forward to seeing him back out there and seeing if he can kind of continue to like one up himself as far as how good these starts are. So yeah, I, you know, uh, again, like Arizona is, is not the team that we, have come to know over the past few years though they are you know sitting at 500 at the moment but you know no Goldschmidt in the middle of that lineup no Pollock uh doing his thing out there you know you you definitely would like to get back home and and do some damage against them I I think again you know you've got a, a not so great team coming into Wrigley and you know you want to uh take two out of three at the very least. And hey, if we can just keep the brooms out of the closet here uh, and just use it again on Sunday, I'm all for that as well. But I, I think it, it's it's been pretty much the same thing, you know, from the early going here, like just keep keep moving forward. I, I would love just for the, the aesthetics of it, and, and I think the general feeling, uh, the sooner this team can be at and above 500 and never look back again it's not like literally the most important thing because of course it's not it just depends on your division and everything but just it It would make us all feel a lot better yeah if they could just be (laughs) over 500 and never get back there again uh for the rest of the year But you know the key is just like let's just keep moving forward. They are they're seven and three in their last ten. The offense is hot. The bullpen has been you know was really good in this Miami series. The starting pitching has been very good for a a while here, and I think you know just keep moving forward. Keep racking up those wins. Uh, You know you mentioned the standings. They're only two back of the Brewers in the loss column, four in the win column. So just keep moving forward, rack up the wins. And, and I I think it's a, it's a simple formula. I I, like, I I really think this team looks good right now. I don't care who they played, who they're playing. I think this team looks good. And I said, I think in the last podcast that, you know, I, I really do kind of feel like this team is, is rounding into form and beginning to look a lot like the team we're going to see and not to, to beat this horse over and over and over again, But this is all with Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant not really doing very much, and we know that they're going to. And when that happens, then it's, you know, truly full steam ahead. But I feel very good about where this team is, and you welcome the Diamondbacks in, and I think, you know, it's pretty simple. Just uh, keep taking care of business, Brendan.
1: That's simple as that. And look, if you're going to be concerned about anyone, it's not KB. It's not Rizzo. It's not Hendricks. They have a track record of quite literally the most consistent stat line in this era of Cubs baseball. So look, if Wilson was struggling or if Javi was struggling, there may be a little bit more reason for concern because they don't have those track records, but the peripherals all look fantastic for for Rizzo. For KB, they're trending in the right direction. He would have had a homer in that Miami series if not for the warehouse and for Hendricks, he's done this a few times in the past, but he's still throwing good change-ups. It's just a matter of that fastball command. But as we know, he's very well aware of his issues and knows what he needs to do to get back on track. So if you're going to worry about anyone, don't worry about those three. And I, I think if, if there's any positive sign in addition to that, it is Rizzo's walk rate. It is KB's most recent two games, hitting line drives, going gap to gap. And ultimately for, for Kendricks, it's just one time. Get back on the mound. If he looks good, if he has that fastball command, like we always see that everything will be clicking. There will come a point in the year, maybe it's sooner rather than later, where every single thing is clicking for this team. And when that does happen, it will happen. And when it does happen, it will be a fun thing to watch, Corey.
0: So I think that is all that we have for you. I'm gonna hop back on Twitter, you know, get back uh, talking to John Lester. You know, oh, I've, yeah, I've, yeah, I've yeah. taken an hour off to record this podcast, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, me yeah. and John got a lot to talk about. As maybe as you guys can season. go
1: fishing or hunting in the off season. I'm sure he'll love to invite you there.
0: I'm not a I'm not a hunting guy, but I, I would love to. I mean, tag John along. just
1: watches the deer up in his little thing. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I would definitely
0: love to tag along. So, anyway. Uh, we will, of course, talk to you. We will record on Sunday after the Cubs uh, hopefully win another series from the Diamondbacks at home at Wrigley Field. As always, we thank you guys for listening and for the feedback. Uh, we continue to you know, interact with a lot of you on social media. We read the reviews on iTunes, and we very much appreciate all of the interaction with you guys uh, it's it's cool you know to again be in the middle of the season here and be able to converse with so many of you and and so many of you have have gotten the the little uh you know the nuances of this podcast which i think is really cool that uh you know we've kind of developed a, a rapport with each other and and with you guys so that's that's always cool to to see throughout the day uh, as always you can follow brendan on twitter at cubs related I am at CF Cubs Related. You can follow us on Instagram at Cubs I am the one who you would be speaking to if you are commenting or DMing. You can follow Cubs Insider uh, at RealCubsInsider.com on Twitter and Instagram, Cubs Insider on Facebook, and of course, CubsInsider.com. Again, we thank you guys for listening and participating. We will talk to you on Sunday after the Cubs finish with the Diamondbacks. And as always, Go Cubs!
1: keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with xfinity internet you'll get the best in-home wi-fi experience with reliable speed and coverage now that's simple easy awesome go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more restrictions apply it just doesn't feel like summer without an ice cold coca-cola in your hand stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20 ounce bottle of coca-cola or coca-cola zero sugar Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.